Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, y'all ready to dig in? I am ready to dig in. Go with me to the book of John chapter 2. We are in our series, Above All, our Above All series. We kicked that off last Sunday, reading Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. But today, I want to take you to John chapter 2. I'm going to read about 11 verses to you. It's a lot, but come on. Some of you ain't reading your Bible, so you're going to ingest a whole lot right now. And we're going to talk about uh, one of the first miracles that Jesus, it is the first recorded miracle that Jesus did as he began his earthly ministry. Okay, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It goes as follows. The next day, Jesus' mother was a guest at a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Oh, no, we got a problem, okay? So Jesus' mother spoke to him about the problem. She told Jesus, they have no more wine. And his response to her, I mean, it's kind of harsh. He says, how does that concern you and me? Jesus asked. My time has not yet come. It's like Jesus was saying, if the wine ran out, I mean, this ain't my wedding. This is not my party. This sounds like a problem for those that are throwing this party. Nonetheless, let's read on. It says, his mother told the servants that were there, now you do whatever he tells you to do. So there were six stone water pots, and they were standing there. They were used for Jewish ceremonial purposes and held 20 to 30 gallons of water each. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled to the brim, he said, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So they followed his instructions. So basically he's saying, go, go pour out a cup of this water and give it to the MC. When the master of ceremonies tested the water, that it was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. And he said this to him, usually a host serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone is full and doesn't care, he brings out the less expensive wines. I mean, he's doing a, a lesson in supply and demand right here. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was Jesus' first display of his glory and his disciples believed in him. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you on the thought, a pivot in the plan. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for these moments together, and we thank you for the opportunity to now take in your word. I thank you, God, for the worship that we've lifted up. I thank you, God, for the songs that we've sang. But now, Father, we need to hear from you. We pray, Father, that you speak to us. We give listening ears, Father. Our spirits are ready to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Once again, a pivot in the plan. 
I was thinking about weddings as I was reading this text, and, and wedding days need to go perfect, don't they? I mean, I remember the amount of planning that went into my wedding, and there's all kinds of preparation. How many married folks watching online can remember? You would go from vendor to vendor to vendor, whether you were picking out the dress, trying out the cake, sampling the dinner menu. You, it, it, it is this long, drawn-out affair. And I remember hearing this from all the vendors that were trying to win the business. They would say, how can we make your day perfect, right? They, they always would say, how can we make your day perfect? But, but here's the truth about weddings. Rarely do weddings ever go perfectly. Rarely do weddings ever go without a hitch. As a matter of fact, those of you that are watching online, how many of you have ever been to a wedding where things just went wrong. I, I know I've been to a few. As a matter of fact, as I was getting ready to prepare this message, I was ready right now to just write down some examples of weddings gone wrong, but then I remembered we're broadcasting this message, and I'd hate for your wedding to be one of my examples, so I said, I'm not going to do that for the sake of those who are watching online. So let me tell you an embarrassing story from my wedding, okay? I'm going to share my embarrassing story, my wedding gone wrong moment. I'll let y'all laugh at what happened to us, okay? And, I, and, and just for clarity, I did ask my wife for her permission before I talked about this, okay? That is leadership and, and husbandship 101 right there, okay? Don't embarrass your wife without first getting her permission. So um, as we were getting ready, as uh, as the, the wedding had just started, and I'm, I'm standing there at the altar, that they had just opened up the doors, and, and the, the wedding procession has began, and all of the wedding party is coming down, and I'm standing there at the altar. You know how it goes. The, the, the groom and his best men are there, and I'm there and I'm waiting and I'm watching the people come down. And it's very nice. It's all very nice. But then the, the funniest thing happened because my wife's grandma comes down the aisle and I don't know who in the world is walking her down the aisle because it wasn't anyone that we put in our wedding. And so there, there, what had happened was, what had happened was, back there as the wedding party was getting to walk down, one of the family members who shall remain nameless pulled an old switcheroo. You see, it was supposed to be my brother-in-law, my wife's uh, older brother that was supposed to walk down grandma. He had the rented tux and everything. And, and instead, here comes a random uncle who didn't even match the rest of the wedding and he comes walking and I just remember that moment thinking Joanna's gonna be so mad when she sees the video of what happened here now I didn't tell her anything like a good husband I was not about to like be that guy at the altar and tell her the minute she comes down right that's the last thing in my mind but let me tell you when we got back from the honeymoon and when we got those pictures about two weeks later and when she saw the video she stopped she said oh my god who put my uncle she got on the phone she called her mom and she was like what in the world how did my how did my uncle get in the wedding? That's my funny wedding story. And I, and I wanted to share that story with you to draw you into the text because just like something was going wrong in my wedding and you've been to a wedding where things were not flawless, there was a problem at this wedding that Jesus was at. You see, the wedding and where they were at, it had ran out of wine. And, and the weddings in these times in Scripture, there were celebrations that would last like, like days. I mean, if you, if you thought you've been to a big wedding go to a, a wedding in biblical time because these things would go upwards to four or five days long it was quite the celebration and when our story picks up here in John chapter 2 they've ran out of wine now 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 Mary goes to Jesus Mary is the only person in this story who knows who Jesus is 
Jesus has called his disciples to be his followers, but up until that point, they only knew him as a rabbi. They had not yet experienced any of his miracles, so in their mind, he's just a great teacher. What they don't know is what Mary knows is that he's the Messiah and he can do miracles and pretty much do anything that he wanted to do. And so Mary knew this. No one else knew it. And, and Mary, knowing the severity of the situation, she comes to Jesus and she tells him, hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. This is a funny request to me because you see this interaction between mother and son, and it really takes you into the dynamics of the relationship because Jesus says something. Now, now Jesus, I guess when you are the Messiah, you can get away with these sort of things. I know that I couldn't get away with talking to my mama the way that Jesus talked to his mama, but he says, how does that concern you and me? My time has not yet come. Catch that. Jesus was very reluctant to do everything anything about the situation. And I began to wonder, why was Jesus so reluctant to do anything about the water? And here's what I believe. Jesus had a very specific mission that he was here on earth to do, and turning water into wine was a magic trick that he did not have any interest in doing. Jesus was here to save the souls of lost men and women. Jesus was here to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus was here to make disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples. I I mean, this whole thing about running out of water, Jesus was like, are you really going to go to the creator of heavens and earth with this little itty-bitty problem? And that's why he told his wife, like, why does that even concern me? I, I, I'm sorry for their poor planning, and I'm sorry that they were doing a wedding on a budget and they didn't buy enough wine. But, but my time has not yet come. Jesus was saying, it's not my time to handle those sort of things. And, and I don't know about you, but I can relate to Jesus' posture because what was really going on was Jesus was being put in a position to do something that he really didn't want to do. Have you ever been stuck having to do something that you really did not, that, that you really did not want to do? And that's where I believe Jesus was here in this moment. He's like, I mean, I'm, I'm here for, for something so much greater than turning water into wine. But, but his mother knew something special, and you can, you can get the persistence and even see it in the text because she tells the servants right after Jesus, I mean, he like claps back at her, right? He's like, that's none of my problem, and it's not my time for stuff like that. And so he kind of claps back really hard. She, she's like that passive-aggressive mama. How many of you got a passive-aggressive mama at home? Raise your hands if she's with you. Sorry that mama that you're being revealed that right now. But, uh, but, but she's kind of like that passive-aggressive mama because what she did was even though Jesus said, look, I don't want anything to do any, I don't want anything to do with this. She told the servants, you do whatever Jesus tells you to do. So she already knew, like a good mom, she's like, you're saying one thing, but I know you're getting ready to do another thing. So she had a little, a little bit of attitude, and she said, you just do whatever he tells you to do. Now, now we've read the story, so we know the end from the beginning here, but here's the point. And here's what I learned from this story. Sometimes you've got a plan, but you need to pivot. Sometimes you might have a plan, but you need to pivot. You see, a pivot is a change of plan, but it's not a change of mission. We'll say that again. A pivot is a change of plan, but it's not a change of mission. Jesus is trying to stay fiercely loyal to his mission, but in that moment, he knew Man, I'm going to have to make a pivot right here. I, I, I'm, here to, I'm here to save the souls of men. I'm here to, to redeem humanity. 
but, but, but there's something here and it's, it's tugging at me. And I am going to have to pivot in this moment. I'm going to have to adapt because there's a crisis right in front of me. Now, I want to pull on this thread for a moment because, you know, through all of the effects that we are feeling right now through COVID-19, one of the groups that I really feel for through all this, obviously those that have experienced great loss, I can't even begin to stand in your shoes and, and relate to what you have gone through. But, but there are also some people who, though they may not have experienced that severity of loss, they're experiencing a lot of change to the plans that they had. I'm specifically talking to students who aren't going to walk through a high school graduation. I'm specifically talking to students that aren't going to walk and get their bachelor's or master's degree. I'm talking to students who aren't going to have that promotion from elementary school to junior high. There's a pivot to your plan, and you didn't even ask for that pivot. There's a pivot to your plans, and it's something that you never even wanted. But let me tell you something. You may not have that cap and gown moment, but if you've already got that acceptance into college, just know there's been a pivot to your plan, but celebrate that your next step is waiting for you. Maybe you've got an internship or a job offer already lined up when you finish your college. Let me tell you, you may not have that graduation, but celebrate that job or that internship that's waiting for you. Listen, the graduation, listen to me, the graduation was a part of that plan, but it was not the plan. The graduation was a part of the plan, but it was not the plan. And that's what was going on here. Jesus was like, yo, this isn't the plan. But then he pivots a little bit because he realizes but we can make a change of my plan. I, I, can, I can pivot here. And so you students, you know what I'm talking about. You might have to pivot here, but just realize that that graduation, it's a pivot to your plan, but just know that you are still on a journey to fulfilling God's potential and purpose for your life. So don't lose heart. There's a pivot in the plan, but ultimately we are still going forward to fulfill God's purpose and plan for our lives. Now let me talk to you about, let me talk to you about pivoting and why it is so important. How you adapt to the current crisis is going to tell me a lot about who you are. I'll say that again. How you adapt to this crisis that we are facing right now, it's going to reveal a lot about who you are. Because here's the deal. Crisis does not change you, but it reveals you. Crisis does not change you. It reveals you. You will not be changed, but you, who you are is going to be revealed as you go through this crisis. And so some of you right now might be struggling in certain areas of your life. Some of you need to take a hard look at the mirror and say, no, 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 this isn't a corona issue. This is just who I am. There's just some stuff. There's just unfinished work in my life that I'm dealing with right now. You can't just blame everything on the crisis around you. Sometimes a crisis is just revealing to you. Hard as that might be, it's just revealing to you who you are. But, but listen, can I, I've got some good news for you for those of you that are like, oh, my God, Pastor Josh hit me with some good news. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a Sunday morning. You're hitting me with all this tough stuff. Let me tell you something. A crisis is going to reveal who you are. But if you don't like what you're seeing, let me tell you, God has the power to transform you. I'm going to say that again. God has the power to transform you. And, and this is what this crisis revealed about who Jesus was. You see, the crisis was the water, uh, was the, 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 the party running out of wine, and now Jesus is having to turn water into wine. What the crisis revealed is that Jesus is the God who transforms. 
Let me explain to you this way. He is the God who transforms. Jesus said this. He said, go fill the water pots with water. And when Jesus turned water into wine, you need to catch this. He didn't just drip some red food coloring in it and say, now we have wine. No, no, that's not what happened. The, the, the water just didn't become red, and now it looks like wine. No, the, the water actually became wine, and, and good wine, as the MC said. And, and, and in order for water, to become, for water to become wine, there was a transformation that had to happen because the basic elements of water is hydrogen and oxygen. That's the, that's the basic elements of water. But in order to have wine, you now have to have carbonation, there has to be some acidic elements. There has to be some ingredients of tannin that is in, the, 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 that, is in that water. And so there's ingredients that are needed to, in order to transform water into wine that are not even there in the pot or available. And not just that. Watch this now. In order to transform water into wine, wine needs a time to ferment. There is a process of years that it takes in order for wine to ferment. Here's the point. Jesus did not just turn water into wine. Jesus transformed water into wine. Jesus, listen, and what he and the application of this is, 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 is how you apply it to your life. Jesus did not come to turn you into a good person. He did not come to turn you into a good person. He came to transform you. There's a difference between the two. Jesus is not here to modify your behavior. He's here to transform you. Jesus didn't come with a plan for behavior modification. He is going to supernaturally, when you allow God to get a hold of you, he is going to supernaturally add some things to your life that did not exist. God is going to surround you with some people that you need in order to become the best version of yourself. And God is going to allow some things just like he accelerated the fermenting process with water. God's going to accelerate some things in your life. Come on, I'm feeling this. There are some things that God will do that without the help of God it would have taken you 10 years but with the help of God it'll be done in a month it'll be done in a year because God will accelerate those things that's what it means to be transformed Romans 12 2 says but be ye transformed it doesn't say be turned into a good person it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind Jesus's plan has always been to transform people Jesus' plan has always been to transform people. So when they said, we are out of wine, he's like, yo, this, that's not why I'm here. But he pivoted. He said, well, I am in the transformation business. Start filling those pots with water. Watch how I can transform those things. There was a pivot to his plan, but Jesus was true to his mission. He's the God of transformation. He's the God who makes all things new. He's the God who redeems the broken pieces of your life. He's the God that uses people that the world says are unusable. He's the God that uses people that the world says are broken. He's the God that uses people that the world says aren't good enough. God takes people like that and he transforms them for his glory. Now, now, there's a key part of this story that I want to close with, and I'm coming to a close now, and I want to illustrate this. I'm going to have uh, one of our pastors here in the audience. He's going to help me out with this, but, but I want to illustrate this in a way. Go ahead. You can bring it on up. And that is familiar to you, okay? Because the, the Bible says that there were six large pots of water. Now, watch this. Each pot was 20 to 30 
gallons. All right, now, now you're familiar with this. This is just an aluminum trash can. You've been familiar with this since Sesame Street and Oscar the Grouch was popping out of these things, okay? So I wanted to bring a visual in order for you to understand what a 30-gallon jar looks like. And, and the Bible says that there were six of these things, that there were six of these 30-gallon water pots. Now, now, if me and Pastor Julio wanted to fill this up with water, I mean, it would be a mistake for us to grab this empty trash can and go to a water source and to fill it up with water because I can guarantee you him and I would not be able to carry that in. That's going to get real heavy really fast because 30 gallons of water, I don't know how much it weighs, but let's just say it weighs a lot, okay? And so in order for those servants to fill these water pots, they had to go out to where the well was and they had to grab buckets of water and they had to bring it in and fill each can one at a time, one at a time. One at a time. And, and so they're going back and forth. They're, they're making multiple trips. They're making multiple trips until they get to the point where now they have a filled water pot. Now, now, John, I, I, love, I love John's attention to detail because the writer John says this, that they filled the pots to the brim. Think about that for a second. It was right at the top. That, that, that's a very important detail that I want you to get because it wasn't until they, they filled it up and they said, okay, Jesus, we're done filling up the pots. And it was only then that Jesus began to perform the transformation. And as I close, I, I, this is the point that, I, that I, I really want to bring you to. Because he is the God of transformation. He pivoted his plan. But, but don't miss this point. Whatever they brought to him is what he transformed. Whatever they brought to him is what he transformed. There are a lot of people asking for God to change some things in their life. But they're not willing to bring him. Six large pots of water and saying, God, now I need you to do the transformation. You see, if you bring God a cup and say, God, I want you to transform this, that's the only thing that God's going to transform in your life. That's the only thing that God is going to transform in your life. Now, there was a really nice song. I remember singing that growing up in church. How many remember that song, Here's My Cup, Lord? I lift it up, Lord. But, but, but think about the application of this story. God was willing to transform what they were willing to bring to him. God was willing to transform what they were willing to bring to him. Now, some of you at home that are watching right now, you're saying, I've not seen the transformation in my life. I've got a question for you. Have you brought it to him yet? Have, have, have you brought that issue to Jesus yet? Have you brought that relationship to him yet? Have you allowed God to work on that area of your life? You, you, too many of us, we get so reluctant. There's a lot of things like, okay, God, you can touch this, and you can touch this, and you can touch this, but you can't touch this, right? It's like, like don't go behind door number one. Leave that alone. <laughs> but the application from the story is Jesus says, the more you bring, the more I'll transform. The more that you fill that jar up with, that's what I'll transform. If you won't bring it, I won't transform it. If you don't come to me with that issue, I can't transform it. So my hope for you today that is watching online, what will you allow God to change? 
What will you allow God to transform? Stop hiding those areas of your life and putting those two things to the side and saying, you know, God, I, I, I don't want you to touch that. I, I don't need you touching that. He is the God who is above all, and he is the God who transforms. Right there where you're at, I want to pray with you. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.